Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, this is this is Shane Zanman Sabunia here, and I'm going to start off the show with a uh, promo between Austin Aries and Johnny Impact from a couple of weeks before Bound for Glory. I just think it's it's one of the greatest promos of all time, and it's it's by A Double. So here it comes. I don't need anybody to beat you. Because I know exactly who I am. I'm the world champion. I'm the best pro wrestler in the world. Do you know who you are? I don't think you do. Who are you this week? You're Johnny Nitro? You're Johnny Mundo? You're John Hennigan? Are you Boone the Bounty Hunter? Are you going to be on Survivor? You're Johnny Survivor? Your whole career, you've been trying to put eggs in 15 different Easter baskets. And you haven't filled one of them yet. You know what I've done? I've taken one big basket called Poor Wrestling, and I've put egg after egg after egg after egg in that basket. Because you're a jack of all trades and a master of none. I'm the master, the mastermind of pro wrestling, the master of this universe. Oh, no, I'm not done. No, I'm not done. No, I'm not done. I got some things I got to tell you about how this is going to happen. Look at you. Johnny Impact. Looks like a million dollars. Comes out with his $10,000 jacket. His custom tights with all the jewels on it. Your beautiful long hair. Your six-pack abs. You look like you should be the world champion. You look like you should be the man. You're a really good pretend pro wrestler. Now me, on the other hand, I may not look the prototypical part of the man, I just am the man. And I got the title around my waist to prove it. So here's what's going to happen at Bound for Glory. You're a movie guy, right, Johnny? You like movies. So here's the movie that's going to play at Bound for Glory. You get to be the co-star in my movie. Because Johnny Impact's going to walk down that ring, and he's going to look like a million dollars. He's going to have the most spectacular jacket of all time. His tights are going to have more jewels bedazzled on them than ever before. You may get some hair extensions. Your six-pack abs are going to have six-pack abs of their own. You're going to look like finally you're going to conquer everything you want to conquer. You're finally going to become the Impact World Champion. And everyone in that building is going to believe it. And then you know what I'm going to do? Austin Aries is going to walk down that ramp. I'm going to walk down that ramp and I'm going to wear black trucks. I'm going to wear plain black boots. I don't even care if they play my music. And then I'm going to step in the ring and I'm going to beat you. Because I need to teach you a lesson. And that lesson is this, Johnny. It doesn't matter what you look like when you walk down to the ring. It matters who you become when you step in the ring. And you'll never become as great as me. So, yeah, it's going to be one-on-one for Bound for Glory. And then I'm going to embarrass you. However, there's one more movie you can co-star in. You can skip all the embarrassment. You can skip that sad ending to your story. And you can do what my last opponent did, Moose. He came and joined me. 
He realized if you can't beat him, join him. He realized you want to be a winner, sometimes it's better to be a part of a winning team than a one-man loser. So I tell you what, Johnny, whatever your name is, before the last, before the last name that you have to take is Johnny 205, why don't you let me unlock all the potential you haven't unlocked yourself? Now I'm done. I don't need anybody. Shane Sabunia, Zanman here, host of the show, um, along with my buddy Jeff. And Jeff, I, I must have listened to that promo five times now, and it's, it shows down my spine every fucking time. It is so good. It, it, it amazes me how great of a talker Austin Aries is. If he didn't have the attitude that he does, he would be a superstar in big-time promotions. It just it, it hurts me how much he's ruined his career by the way he acts behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, I suppose he has ruined his career to a certain extent, but we're also talking about a five-time world champion as well, or maybe it's even six-time world champion. Well, I'm, I'm not saying that he hasn't gotten his just due because of how talented he is, and it's more than that because of his Ring of Honor oh, titles. He wasn't, wasn't he a four-time Impact champion? Yeah, and, and two-time and two-time Ring of Honor champion. So I was that's why oh, I said it's either five or six world championships. Plus, well, plus, and, plus of course, his whole belt collector stuff that we had that he had going on last yeah, year. Yeah, well. he was the Defiant champion. He was a PWG champion. He was the um, I can't he was remember. The, where, he was he was the Defy and Defiant champion at the same time. Yeah, and he's he was a champion of another promotion too that he's now kind of spearheading. Um. Ring Warriors is the name of it. Is the name of the promotion? Okay. Um, it's what it was. Is it started off in like the early? I want to say early to mid nineties uh, as a spinoff. It was supposed to be the new Americanized version of uh, NJPW. Uh, Hiro Matsuda started it along with uh, an American-born guy, and I can't remember who it was now. But they, uh, Larry Brandon. No, it wasn't. Uh, Howard T. Brody is the guy that uh, started with Hiro Matsuda, and it was supposed to be, you know, New Japan's version of uh, American wrestling. And that, you know, that ended in early 90s, mid 90s. They got ramped up again, and then they went bankrupt. And now, from what I understand, is they have their own show on WGN. Yep, that's what I'm reading right here. They have their own show on WGN America, 
episodes are going to start streaming on Amazon Prime. Um, and that started in June, of, June 9th of 2018, so they probably already have the episodes out there. But it's Ring Warriors. Uh, Austin Aries was the champ of that organization for a while, and he was in the last few episodes uh, wrestling against Eddie Edwards. So that might that might that might be something we might want to take, uh, take a look at. Oh, absolutely! If Austin Aries is there, you're you, you're damn right. I want to w- take a look at it. Well, and not only that, I mean, it's in when he returned in November 2018, he lost the heavyweight title to to Robbie Eagles. Oh wow! And then he's also his first match of 2019 literally just happened against uh, Eddie Edwards. And on March 15th, he is set to face Eddie Edwards again in this in uh, Warrior, Warrior Wrestling at Warrior Wrestling 4. Oh, cool. So it, it's something we're definitely going to want to take a look at because it's got some big names. And if Robbie Eagles is the champ, I definitely want to see more of him because I think he's kind of getting lost in the shuffles a little bit at, in NJPW. Yeah, he definitely is. Um yeah, and and I do have Amazon Prime, and I'm, and I'm reading the same thing here. I mean, I knew it was on WGN America, and I, and I know that they also ha- they like did a show like just prior to um, Zero Hour for All In too. So that, you know, that was one of the things that was going on that day as or during that week as well. Um, but I but I had no idea it was available on Amazon for the last couple of months, so I'm gonna have to check that out. Well, and the thing is, is I had no idea this promotion even existed. I, and I'm usually the one that's on the ground with all the indie promotions. I think I usually bring them to you most of the time. Um, I, I had no clue these guys even existed. I'd heard of them in the early 90s through dirt sheets and magazines and stuff. But mm-hmm. I was shocked when I found out they came back in August of 18. Yeah. And that Austin Aries was the champ and all that stuff. So, Yeah, ex- excellent. Um you know, the, and the other, you know, the other thing I, I wanted to say, and I, and I guess I, I want to say this before uh, we get too far into the show, because we'll probably forget, is that um, welcome back to Roman Reigns. Um, that's awesome that he beat leukemia for a second time, um, and, I, and I'm very happy for him. I, I am, too. Um, and I'm not going to get on a rant, so, uh, Ryan, you can put away your keyboard right now. I just want to say <laughs> that there's, there's been some interesting developments with uh, Dean Ambrose since his, his announcement of not coming back, uh, you know, big props to Roman Reigns for coming back. The reunite, reuniting of the Shield is kind of a good thing. You know, with Dean Ambrose leaving the company in two months, they get a little run there for that. So I'm glad he beat it. I'm glad he was able to come back. I hope he and, – and this is something that you never would have heard me say two years ago. I hope he can reclaim the top spot and be the world champion again. Yeah, I, I, I really, I really don't want him to talk Dean Ambrose out of leaving WWE because I think that would be the best for Ambrose's career, honestly. But uh, I, you know, I'm happy he's back, and, and maybe you know later on in the year, we'll, you know, there'll be some great Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns matches over that championship. You know, their their match at uh, Money in the Bank 2016 was one of my favorite matches of, the, of that year, and was my WWE match of the year that year. Yeah, it, I mean, I just wish and. Again, I'm not going into a rant. <laughs> I just wish that WWE would get their shit together because they've got some amazing talent that could add to my great collection of stuff. In a way, I'm glad that they are out. They they 
are not the kind of wrestling that you and I like because it's opened my doors to so many other great promotions out there in independence and um I this AEW thing had WWE not sucked and I didn't start watching uh Ring of Honor and uh New Japan and all these other promotions AEW to me would be nothing right now I wouldn't care one bit about it but because I was able to so you know what thank you WWE for being just terrible <laughs> Well, it'll be interesting to see if, if anything changes with Bruce Pritchard back in the fold, or if it's just more of the same old, same old. Yeah, I don't know. I, he's had his run like seven or eight times now. Oh, and before another side note, before we really get into Bound for Glory, because we're going to have side notes throughout this whole thing, let's be honest. But MLW... It's Kingdom so, of Honor, of course we're going to. MLW just announced a new member of the broadcast team. One James E. Cornette. Oh, interesting. Right. With Matt, because so far it's been Matt Stryker and that Rick, Rich, uh, what's his, I can't remember his last name, but they've been kind of alternating. But now Jim Cornette's going to be like the third member, a permanent member from what I understand. And it's going to be him and Shivani that are permanent members. And then uh, Matt Stryker and this Rich guy are going to alternate that third spot. Oh, Okay. Fair enough. And we have... Um, Richville Keeney, right? Yeah, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, but they, we've got Battle Riot 2 coming up here in just a, about four or five weeks. So I don't know if we want to um, power watch MLW to get caught up so we can get there for it and do it in real time. Well, you know, you yelled at me last Tuesday. What didn't that literally yell at me? But you're like, dude, I didn't know you took a new position. So, so you know, I'm 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 still uh, I got this new position at work. I've got I've got I got to train a brand the entire week, um, and I'm and I'm working since I took today off as my for my birthday. Um, I'm working ten hour days the entire week. So I mean, I'd love to, but I just don't know if I'm gonna have the time. Well, especially you... especially especially since we have both both in New Japan anniversary coming up, we have the ROH anniversary coming up, and plus all plus the New Japan Cup starts on Friday. Well, should we do what I suggested with Impact? Now that we're caught up in Bound for Glory, just jump forward to the new year? Um, if we're going to do that, then I think we need to start with um, the, the last major event where Tom Lawler um, won the championship. Probably. Well, I think if we start 1-1, because that was in February. So if we start 1-1, I mean, I, to, to yeah, be honest... Was- yeah, that would work fine I, for me. I'm going to continue watching it because I'm only I'm in December right now. Okay. So I'm almost caught up to one one anyway. So I'll just you know I'll power watch those four episodes and and be done with it. But um, if you want to jump forward to one one, and I'm doing the same thing with Impact because I Bound for Glory was where I stopped. So I've got a good two to three months there where I didn't watch anything. And I'm just jumping forward. I want to get to 1-1. When we get to the end of the year, I want to be caught up on everything so that when we do our year-end awards, we can do it fairly. Because I found out by going back and watching NXT and and, uh, Impact and and other promotions that we left out some major, major stars that could have been, you know, could have had match of the year candidates, could have been in wrestler of the year talk. And we left well, them out. Well, you know, I'm not going to watch Defiant. I'm not going to watch um, NXT on a, on a regular basis. I mean, if you tell me to, you know, just tune in to watch a certain match, I certainly will do that for you. Um, and same thing with NXT UK. I just, I just don't have the time. Um, I don't either. But stuff, so. 
It's yeah, weird yeah, because- yeah. You, yeah, you don't have the time, but you, you can, but you can sit and listen to that. I, I don't have, to, I can't even do that. And that's that's the only benefit I have is that I can sit and listen to it. And usually the announcers are really, really good, and you know when there's a good good matchup that you want to watch, and you know when Mari is out there, I might want to skip that one. But if I hear that SCC is out there, well, maybe I want to pay attention. So I'm going to bookmark this one, and I'll go back, and I'll watch it when I get home or on my break or lunch or whatever. So I do have that advantage where I'm able to listen to the full shows, keep along with the storylines, keep along with the, uh, the promos, and then when there's a great match, I can go back and watch it. And one thing that Tony Schiavone has done with MLW is he's been able to point out the great matches. We're just listening to him. Now I can know, hey, I got to go back and watch this match. You know, one of the things I've really enjoyed with um, watching Major League Wrestling, and, and I haven't gotten to the Hart Foundation stuff yet, so um, maybe you can recommend to me where I should start watching for that. Oh, I still need to watch War Games, too, for sure. Um, but uh, but is, is seeing the young talent, like I really love Fred Yehi, um, Tom Lawler, Yep. And uh, and the Coda Co- Brazil I think is a, is has a, is super talented as well. Another I, I, guy that another guy that I really really liked on there that I d- didn't think I was going to because he was one of those guys where it just kind of eh, people would tell me that he's good but I, I didn't really care that much and I didn't like him in any other promotion he's been in but ACH for some reason ACH has really struck me in MLW where he's actually gotten to my type of wrestler where I've really enjoyed the work he does. Well, didn't you, didn't you tell me like last week or the week before that he was announced as one of the new NXT signings? Yes. Which pissed me off because I was really starting to like him in MLW. (laughs) And it's weird because I mean, he was in ring of honor for a while. He's been in other independents. He, you know, and even in uh, everything he's done, I've been hearing about him for years and I've never really bought into him, but for some reason, there's something with his his partnership with Rich Swan and um, uh, Shane Strickland. That partnership drew me in, and for and I am a huge ACH fan, and I'm I hope that they keep the ACH the way that he's performing in MLW when they bring him to NXT. But uh, he's one guy that really really grew on me. But you're right, Fred Yehi is a good is a has been really, really good. Um, Jimmy Yuta is another guy that I really like. Uh, Jason Cade's another guy that I see has a ton of potential. You know, they've got MLW has got some really, really good talent there. They do. And, and what they really need to do is try to lock down that talent before they go, before they, they get eaten up by AEW or ring of honor or impact or something. Well, from what it sounds like, I mean, there's only certain people that they've lost like Brody King and PCO, but the Lucha Brothers are kind of doing working agreements with other promotions, so they're still in. Sammy Callahan is the same way. Where my, I mean, well, my, my understanding with the Lucha Bros, just you know, that, I, and I'm and I want you to get back to it after this is is that their current contract with AEW calls for them to be able to work other promotions until the end of this year, and then they're locked down exclusively to AEW. I don't want to see that. I don't want that to happen. That's not what I've wanted. And I, I didn't want Ring of Honor to do it. I don't want AEW to do it. I don't want any promotion to do it. Let these guys be their own marketing tools and go wherever. Well, here's the thing, though. If, if AEW doesn't – I think AEW probably did have that, something like that in mind originally. 
But when other, the other promotions start locking people down and not wanting to work with them, what other choice do they really have? That's true. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'll give it that. <clears throat> my, only, my only problem with that is are we going to – I think this is going to be good. Um, I think AEW coming in, I think some other promotions kind of rising to the forefront, like Impact has been making waves. Ring of Honor has been making waves. Japan is no longer just an overseas promotion. They're a worldwide promotion. You know, you've got people like Rev Pro and Defiant where people can, wrestlers can go and actually make a name for themselves. And I think you're going to start seeing the ranks of WWE getting thinned out a little bit. And when that happens, that's going to be the best part for wrestling. Because now, unlike in the late 90s, when wrestling was at the forefront with WCW and WWE, you're going to have it at the forefront with 20 different promotions. With the NWA and, and Ring of Honor and uh, you know some of these smaller promotions, kind of like bar wrestling, kind of making a name for themselves and getting some of these people in. I just think that we're at the we're at the beginning of a boom period for wrestling. Speaking of NWA, I was thinking about this today because I was listening to Ollie Leach, uh, or excuse me, all about Ollie Leach earlier today with my wife. Kind of when we were we were kind of chatting, but I was kind of listening, um, quasi listening, I guess I, sh- I should say. And they were talking about the upcoming uh, match between Marty Scurll and um, Nick Aldis at the Crockett Cup show. Right. And it, and it strikes me that it would be great for Marty Skrull and for the NWA in general if he actually won the championship at the Crockett Cup. Um, I think it, it would give him a, a chance to do another six months or so till the end of the year, um, talking about how his friends are dead and, and building up that story before he actually goes to AEW, which, of course, everybody expects him to do you know soon. Um, and, it, and it would give some buzz to the NWA championship that they had for about a month with Cody last year. Um, I don't think Nick Aldis is the, I think Nick Aldis would be a great heel champion champion for that organization. If it ever got off the ground, and got a TV deal and, and that kind of thing. Um, but I don't think he's great for them right now when they're still trying to, to build up kind of a grassroots campaign. I think that really should go to somebody with a lot of buzz and a lot of popularity, which right now, the biggest name on the market that would be a free agent coming up is Marty Skrull. And I agree with you to a point. I still think Nick Aldis is the guy we want to uh, carry the banner. I still think he's okay, the guy. Why? Just because I think he's got the look, he's got the attitude, he's got, when you watch 10 Pounds of Gold, you see the way he presents himself, and that's the kind of champion you want. Somebody okay, like okay, Cody. But, okay, but, but, right, right. He presents himself as, as, a, as a great champion. He presents himself as a, as a great figure. But what kind of buzz does the organization have with someone like Nick, Nick Aldis holding the championship? He's, he's about the most mediocre character you could possibly have. And that's the part where I'll agree with you. Um, that's why when Cody won it back, what, at, when was it? Well, Cody won Dishonor? It. No, at All In. When yeah. Cody won the belt, that's why we were talking about how the best thing that any NWA could do is to keep this belt on Cody for all the way through Wrestle Kingdom. Right. 
you know, and then pass it off to another big name at Wrestle Kingdom, and the whole time having Nick Aldis chasing it to build his name. Nick Aldis has a name in wrestling. The problem is, is Nick Aldis was known as Brutus for or Magnus for what eight nine years, and then he went to GFW, where he didn't really exist. So it's hard for Nick Aldis to have that kind of power that uh, Marty Skrull has or that Cody has when he's never really gotten the exposure that he deserves. Yeah, he's kind of bland, but when I see him, I see him kind of bland as a guy who is, this is what the champion should be. He's represented himself as this is a business. I'm the forefront of this. This is how we want the NWA to be. And I think he's doing great at that. The problem is he didn't have the name before he had that. Where you know, a, it was the same downfall that you had with Tim Storm before him. Tim Storm never really had the name. No, he didn't. And, and, that's, the, and that's the thing is that, he, you know, he, he can, I mean, he, if he can, he can keep beating the guys that have the name, but I, I just don't think that's really helping the organization, honestly. Um, I mean, there's something to be said for loyalty, of course, as well, but I, I just think that he's just not a guy that can really carry an organization like the NWA into the future um, on his own, especially, especially in, you know, until and unless it becomes a big-time organization. and um, They get a TV deal. Well, they, they get, they, until they get a TV an... deal and, and until – um, they have somebody established for him, to, for him to be a heel against, rather than just trying to be the uh, the traveling heel that he has been. I think if he could have gotten into a major, because I think that the Cody pro, um, they said it after NWA seventy, and um, you know Nick Aldis did say it about how that Cody versus Aldis feud was the feud of two thousand eighteen. Now I don't agree with that, but it had the potential. If Cody could be single-minded, even if they were to get a working relationship with NWA and, and uh, All Elite Wrestling and you know had some kind of thing going on there where Nick Aldis was on TV every single week and Cody was chasing him, I think that could put uh, Nick Aldis over that edge that we want him to be. But right now, without the TV deal, without the, with basically the only way we get to know him is by watching 10 Pounds of Gold. And if you're not watching 10 Pounds of Gold, you don't know the Rick, real Nick Aldis as a face or a heel. Well, that's very true. Um, I'm just not sure that I would that you know that he's got enough personality for anybody to really want to get to know. Um, I, I, I mean, I mean, I've enjoyed him, and I'm not saying I haven't. I just don't think that he's a guy that can really light a fire under an organization. No, he's not, he's not Dusty Rhodes. He's not Harley Race. He's not, um, you know, Ric Flair. He's not Sting. He's not Hogan. He's not that kind of guy. But what he is is for the, uh, for the average – he's not the average wrestling fan's champion. Let's put it that way. He's not the kind of guy that's going to just win you over with his charisma. What he is is he's the smart fan's champion. Me as a mark, me as a guy who follows him, he's the guy I want as champion. But for somebody, and I see where you're coming from, somebody that doesn't really follow him closely, someone that doesn't watch all the matches, somebody that doesn't, you know, somebody on the outside looking in, if the NWA wants eyes on their product, 
they either need a TV deal and they need to be able to sell Nick Aldis as this credible champion or they need a name to do it. Cody Rhodes would have been the perfect name to do it because Cody Rhodes could have been trotting out there in NJPW with that NWA belt. He could have been out there in Ring of Honor with that NWA belt. He could have got eyes on NWA. And he did for a month and a half. He, he made it so NWA 70 was as big a draw as it was. I'm afraid that the Crockett Cup is not going to be as big a draw as it was because we've had six to seven months of not really anything by that time. Yeah, that's very true. And it, it saddens me because I think, I think all this, I think some of these other NWA wrestlers, like I, I can't stand Willie Mack. <laughs> I can't stand him. I think he's, he, he needs, he would be a good heel. He's not a good face. He plays the poor me card a little too much. He makes you try to get these feelings for him that just aren't there because they're not, they're not organic. He's just kind of shoving himself down there. But that man in the ring is talented, very talented. And Jazz is another one. And if we can get some NWA tag champs and get you know, some of these groups like the Mini Warriors, uh, um, Red and what's his name? Crimson. Crimson is what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, Crimson and uh, Jack, Jack something, right? I mean, if you can get those guys as tag team champions, and they're doing good, they're doing much better, and it was something that we, you and I had talked about a while ago about how they need to do more than just the 10 pounds of gold. They need to follow the national championship. They need to follow the women's. And they've done a lot better at that. There was just an incredible match with Jazz, and I, I'm sorry, I forgot who her name was, on um, NWA TV just this last couple weeks. Wait, N- what do you mean NWA TV? Uh, d- on YouTube. Okay. The NWA channel on YouTube. Okay. Um, Jazz, what was her name? Do you have any clue? Do you remember? I, I didn't watch it. It was a really good match, though. It was a match that I was really surprised with. And to see Jazz move the way she does, and she's pushing 50. To see her move the way she does, and her opponent was perfect for her. I just thought that, you know, I like the way that the NWA is expanding in that way. But if you're not a follower of theirs on YouTube, if you're not, you're not just bumping into it. It's not like you're flipping channels and you go, hey, what's this? I see wrestling. There's nothing else on. Let's watch this. And then you get sucked into it. You know, you're not going to get that on YouTube. No. No, you're really not. And, um, I mean, I mean, it's possible. I mean, you could be watching like, like, uh, being the elite and you've watched all the episodes of that. So it, it rolls you into, into, you know, 10 pounds of gold or something. But I, but I mean, you're right. By, by and large, it's, it's hard to stu- just stumble across it. And, um, and, you know, I mean, I, I don't even know how it would do uh, realistically getting just a TV deal right now either. It would have to be heavily promoted, I think, in order for um, anybody to really know about it. Well, it's going to have to be a groundswell type thing. Kind of like uh, it is with, I mean, that Ring Warriors. Now we know about it. Now we're right. going to watch it. You know, it's going to have to be that type of thing where they're not going to be able to do this heavy advertising promotion. I mean, I guess Billy Corgan has Billy Corgan money, so he could probably pull off some advertising. 
But I, I just think without a real legit TV deal, and we said this after, um, after NWA 70, without that legit TV deal, I'm afraid that NWA is just going to go away. Yeah, and it, and it probably will. Um, and, 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 you, and, and you said it perfectly there. He, he has um, Billy Corgan money. What he doesn't have is Tony Khan money. Exactly. He doesn't that, have Ted Turner money. He doesn't have Vince McMahon money. Right. But he has – he does have something that – I mean, he, he had a great idea, great idea with that pop-up event. It caught us all, all off guard. You and I were ready to throw down the 20 bucks. We just couldn't find it anywhere. Right. If he could work out a deal with uh, Fight TV and throw up one of these pop-up events twice or once or twice every couple months – he could get the eyes on on his product that he wants. Um, maybe. It, 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 like you said, it all depends on the groundswell. I mean, if, pe- if people love it, then it's going to. It would work that way. If people don't, then it's not going to. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping the Crockett Cup is, you know, it k- kicks a lot of ass. Um, but but you know, if it, but if it's if it's a bunch of tag team matches and and then the um the world championship match, then, I mean, in this day and age, I'm not sure that's going to work very well. Well, and I think that's where they're kind of misstepping on this is they're doing a one night tournament. You're only going to hold people's attention for four hours. If you're going to have quality matches in that four hours with a couple of duds here and there, a buy that, you know, a freak buy because of a double DQ and stuff like that. You got to figure you can't have more than seven teams in this, more than six teams in this uh, tournament. You just can't, especially when you have a main event that's going to need at least 25 to 30 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I, you, I would, well, I mean, you said 16s, but I think it's probably more likely to be eight. Cause then you, then you have, you know, uh, the quarterfinals, the semis, and then the finals. And see that to me is almost pushing it. And, and it's, it's doing a detriment because now we need to get, you need to get eyes on jazz. You need to get eyes on Willie Mack. As well, the think, other well, champions, I think, well, I think Willie Max in that tournament, though. Oh, is he? Okay, I, I believe but, so. Yeah. And I, but I, but I mean, I, I honestly would be shocked if it doesn't come down to the Briscoes and um, that team of that team of Jack Stane and Crimson, whatever they're called. And I hope Jack Stane and Crimson wins it, and they do, and with, which they're going to. Actually, I'd like to see the Briscoes win it to get the um, title belts on TV for a little while. That'd be but reg- cool. regardless, I mean, you've got. They could they could even be triple champions at that point. You're looking, yeah, they won't be, but it'd be <laughs> nice. <laughs> Is it wrong that I'm actually wishing the Briscoes would win over God? Uh, no, because God sucks. Um, and and actually, Jim Cornette this week on Ten Has a Gold, um, well, they 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 had a interview. He was on, I think he was on with uh, Lee Ray on a on a podcast or something, and um. And he was talking about how there's going to be teams from Japan too, so I'm not sure which uh, team from New Japan's coming over. But it sounds like it sounds like somebody's coming over from there. Maybe we'll get people in Sonata. Who knows? No, from what I understand, is they have a because um, they they don't have a deal with uh, NJPW. Well, no, but they have a deal with Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor. Oh, that's right. With, with NJPW. Someone. Okay, maybe it's not them, but I'd heard some one of our. Um, U.S., one of the top four in the U.S., was trying to work on a relationship with Dragon Gate. Okay. Maybe it's AEW, considering Pac is the Dragon Gate champion. 
or one of them. Well, and 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 Shima was and Shima was a longtime Dragon Gate guy till he went to OBE or OWE. Yeah, true. So I mean, it's possible. Maybe that's who it was. But I had heard it, I it was one of those grapevine, you know, Google things when I was flipping through wrestling rumors that one of the big four was looking at a promotion with Dragon Gate. For some reason, it was NWA that popped in my mind, but it makes sense now that because their relationship with Ring of Honor would definitely open up NJPW. Right, exactly. And even if we get, I mean, Yoan's show after the heel turn that they had, well, was it really a heel turn? I, I don't know. It was what are you against, talking about? What? What are you talking about? You didn't watch Honor Rising? Yeah, I watched Honor Rising. What did they What did they do that was heel? Oh, I didn't. I didn't watch all the matches. I might. I might have missed what something that Yoan Show did. They attacked Shingo and uh, um, Bushi. Oh, they did. To lay their claim for the uh, tag titles. Well, that's coming up in a couple of days. Right. Yeah, but I, so I mean, I guess I don't know. That I would definitely call it a heel turn, but it was kind of out of character for Chaos members to do that. Attacking them on the ramp, bringing their belts into the ring, and issuing a challenge. Yeah, I completely missed that. It must have been must have been during a ten man tag or something. I don't remember when it was. It was one of those. I I watched so much goddamn wrestling, I can barely remember any of it. Well, I see. I don't I don't wait around to blow yo and show like you do. Well, they are the next young bucks. See see how that rhymed. Yes, I did. Was, was that awesome? Suck. Yeah, <laughs> it was totally, totally fucking awesome. <laughs> I got a yeah. the young bucks. I got, I got a young bucks wallet. Yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah. Was that your birthday gift? Um, we went to Hot Topic and there was they were doing buy th- two clearance items and get three free. So wow. I got I got that. I got a list of list. Uh, Ignorables de Jericho shirt. Um, I got an elite long sleeve tee, and then they didn't have in my size the other two shirts I wanted, so I ended up ordering a hangman shirt and a young bucks. I should have those at some point. Nice. Yeah. That's impressive. And and actually they and actually they told me after they were able to find my account in the system that I was approved for a five hundred dollar credit card, so I got that from them too. So. Oh my God, Shane, order yeah. me a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you have the money. You have five hundred dollars credit. Order me a shirt. <laughs> uh, before we before we get too far into um, the Ring of Honor st- or yeah, Bound for Glory. I mean, we kind of went off M- MLW. Defiant. I didn't get to watch this week, um, but last week la- last week David Starr got injured at Gabriel Kidd's expense and don't, you know, don't care. Yeah, I mean, shut up. Um, you know, I, and I haven't well, watched you, well, you, well, you can't ask people to pay $15 for an event and then and totally blow up the event and then expect people to give a shit anymore. That is true. I will give you that. I it's just I've kind of invested now in a couple of characters so I want to keep watching them. They are a little hokey. They are a little bit more than um, I want in my wrestling with the whole General and Mean and Simon Miller backstage stuff. But 
their entering product is good. They've got some wrestlers that are good. I, I really like David Starr. I really like uh, Nathan Cruz. I really like SCC. I, you know, they're, well, cool. Then AEW can sign all those guys away, and then Defiant can shut its fucking doors because they don't know how to book things. Um, speaking of which, they, speaking of which, AEW signed Bea Priestley this week. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. I saw yeah, that. It's pretty well, awesome. And they signed her not only away from Defiant, but also away from uh, WWE UK. Oh, that's right. She disappeared there a couple times, didn't she? Yep. Well, she was she was their first champion. She was WWE UK's first champion. Yeah. She's who Tony Storm beat. There was a well. No, she wasn't. I'm pretty sure she was. No, that was somebody else. Now you're confusing me. No, you're confusing yourself, dude. No, I am not. My left suit of is just not in my head when I said that. So, I mean, not in her head, not my head. <laughs> Why? I don't want Joseph Priestley. I want Bia. <laughs> well, and the nice thing about AEW is they announced their um, their new or their next pay per view too. So, coming up in June. Did you watch the uh, latest All In? Road to, I rode to Double or Nothing. Um, the one where they announced to be Priestley, or was there one since then? Yeah, the one where they announced to be a Priestley. They were yeah, talking it, about their next pay-per-view. Yeah, play for the fall one, right? Yep. Okay. Okay, I'm getting irritated. I hear your wife back there. Yeah, yeah Rhea Ripley was the first... UK Rhea Ripley. Okay, yeah, you're right. I got confused with Bea Priestley. Yeah, you're right. You're, yeah, because yeah, you're an idiot. Well, yeah. But, yeah. Your point? <laughs> this is funny. The thing I'm looking at, there's there's been two champions, right? So Rhea Ripley is the lightest champion, and Tony Storm is the heavyweight champion. Good job, you two. <laughs> They've had two champions. <laughs> I know. So actually, grammatically correctly, it would be the lighter champion and the heavier champion. I don't even know what to say to that. You know I'm a grammar Nazi. Yeah, I know. All right. Not as bad as Susan. Uh, no, probably not. No, not. So, um, let's see. What what else do we have here to cover? Um. Well, why don't do we want to do we want to go over the uh, now? Nah, well, do we want to go over any of the New Japan stuff before we go to break and then talk about Bamford Glory? Or what do you want to do? That might be a good idea to run down the card quick. Okay, and then we also have, of course, coming up the New Japan Cup as well. So right, which um, a couple of major people have already jumped in on that. Well, the. Have they? Because the first night looks completely awful to me. <laughs> well, the, first co- night, the first night of the New Japan Cup is Nakanishi versus Yoshihashi, Honma versus Taichi, Robinson versus Owens, and Nagata versus Ishii. What? Well, that, well, that last one should be good. But I thought Kota Ibushi jumped in and said he was joining. He is. I'm talking about the very first. I'm talking about the first night of the first round. Oh, okay. I mean, I mean that that card just not does not exactly scream must must watch to me. No, that is true. Um, okay, but anyway, let's go to the let me find the anniversary show here real quick. 
And I think I might have it here. Ooh. And I heard about this match, but it just popped up now. Osprey versus Jay White. Yep, that's the main event. That's going to be a amazing match. Yeah, absolutely. And one I can't wait to see. Um, I got the card here, so. Okay. Um, you started off with a 10-man tag, of course. Uh, Makabe, Yano, Yoshida, Umino, and Narita versus Bullet Club. Uh, Nagata. Who fucking who? Yeah. Uh, Yagata and Hanari versus Ishii and Yoshihashi. Then we got another tag, 10-man tag. Kojima, Honoma, Tiger Mask 4, Taguchi, and Dragon Lee versus Suzuki, Taichi, Kanemaru, El Desperado, and Takamichi Noku. Uh, again, well, who cares? Well, so far, I'm, I'm going to skip that first third of the show, it looks like. Uh, I mean, come on. Minoru Suzuki, it'd be nice to watch him, you know, beat up people and in the middle of nowhere and yeah. Um It's either then, in there or in the dryer. Sorry, go what? ahead. <laughs> Wait, what? My live studio audience was talking to me. Oh, okay. All right, now we finally actually get the matches that matter. We got the IWGP junior heavyweight tag team championship. Uh Shingo and Bushi against Yo and Cho. Yeah, that should be a fun match. Uh, we got uh, the junior heavyweight Ishimuri against Juice and Summer Liger. Well, wait, wait, wait! Before we go there, who do you got, who do you got in that tag match? I've got Lij. No, yeah, I've got to go Lij. I I have to. I just I think with them losing the heavyweight belts, they've got to start keeping some of these other ones. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. You just reminded me of that bullshit. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. I totally forgot that they, they get screwed out of their championships. Anyway, go I ahead. Think, and then um, we've got the junior heavyweight Ishimori, Ishimori against uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. That should be a fun match, but Ishimori is going to walk away with the championship for I sure. I can't see a fun match with Liger in it anymore. I haven't seen a fun match with him in years. No, the one against Kenny King from uh, Death Before Dishonor was pretty good. Only if you were looking at solidifying Kenny King's heel turn. I am. Okay, then yeah, it was fun. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I, I like Ishimuri. I, I've liked him since I first saw him in Impact. I think he's a hell of a talent. Um, I kind of wish that he was on a bigger stage than he is, which is hard to say about NJPW. But I, I've got to go Ishimori on this. I don't know it's going to be a fun match. It's going to be a bathroom break match for me. Well, the first the first three matches were, are all bathroom break matches for me. I'm not even starting the show until three matches in. Yeah, I don't know what you were talking about. Yeah, well, true. And then, oh, and by the way, when did the six man tag belts change hands? At New New Year's Dash. Was it? Or, or wait, no, they didn't. No, what it wasn't hell? because. Must, must, have been, all, must have been on the tour somewhere because are you looking at is this Goto Okada and Tanahashi are the champions? No. No. So not so not Evil Naito are the champions? No. Makabe, Yano, and Taguchi are the champions. Oh yeah, that are, happened. Are the yeah, six that, man champs? Yeah, that happened at uh, New Year's Dash. Did it? I thought yeah. I. Well, how did I miss that? I don't know. 
I blame you. Let's let's blame Susan. All right, let's blame her. Oh no, no, let's blame let's blame your ex your your first ex wife. The first one or the second one? The first one. God, I'm a mess. Why do you do that to me? <laughs> I didn't make you a mess, dude. We t- we talked about that earlier before off the air. Yeah, my hormones made me a mess. I don't care what you what you what you how you make your horse moan. All right, uh, next match, and this is actually one considering there's nothing on the line. I'm interested in. I don't know why I'm interested in it, but you just said it: Tanahashi, Okada, and Goto versus Naito, Evil, and Sonata. Yeah, I mean, well, they're all talented performers. Um, they're they're all guys that we have investment in it at, at some level. Um, you know, you know, Goto, you know, and Tanahashi well, less than the other four, but still, you know. Yeah, I, well, even Goto, I I would say you know the Lij side and Okada, I'm really invested in. I just want to see who's going to play the heel. These are two face factions. And one thing I found out about NJPW over the last couple of years, they are heavy into the face versus heel dynamic. And even if there's two face um, teams competing against each other, which they do all the time, one of them has to play the heel and vice versa. We saw it, uh, what, two years ago with the um, New Japan Cup? When Evil and Sonata faced off, Sonata was clearly the face, and Evil was clearly the, clearly the heel. You know, so they really do that dynamic quite a bit. But in this case, when you've got Okada, who has been the ultimate face for the last what three years, and Lij, who has been just a face organization for what the last year and a half, it's going to be interesting to see which one of them plays the heel. Yeah, that is a fair point. And of course, there's Tanahashi. When was the last time he was not at face? <laughs> Has there ever been a time? I have no idea. I don't think so. I mean, come on, jeez. Um, what's the and, and you know what's the deal with this? I mean, is he like, is he joining Chaos or is he just kind of a? a sidebar member with them right now? I mean, I, I really don't understand what's going on there. I thought he was just his own... What What's that other faction that he had for all the people that weren't a part of a faction? Toguchi Japan? Yeah. Wasn't he part of Toguchi Japan for a long time? Well, he was, but now Toguchi is, you know, a tag team partner along with... with uh, chaos. <laughs> well, with Chaos and, 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 and GBH. And yeah, I yeah. mean chaos and GBH. I mean, it, is and now is Makabe a part of chaos as well? What the hell is happening over there? Well, I mean, they keep selling it that it that it's you know this is all due to Jay White and people trying to you know rebel against Jay White's um, Bullet Club, but I mean it's just, it's just all very weird. So we've got all of Japan uniting against Bullet Club. Actually, yeah. that's a really good story. Yeah. Exactly. That's a, I mean, that's a late 1990s NWA, NWO versus WCW story. Yep. As long as they don't go to the extremes that NWO did with just pretty much letting anybody with a pulse in. <laughs> if they keep it the seven or eight guys that they've got now with the two really non-wrestlers in Gato and Jato. Yeah. And then the actual wrestlers with uh, Eagles, Ishimori, G.O.D. and Jay White. I think that would be an amazing story with Bullet Club versus the world. 
yeah, it's worked. It's worked pretty well so far. So okay, that does make sense. All right, I'm in on that. All right. Pencil me in. Um, I will. Let me get my All pencil. Right. All right, you're in. Woohoo! <laughs> that was like a Daffy Duck woohoo. <laughs> and then we've got in the finals. Uh, we've got Jay White against uh, um, Will Ospreay. And a special challenge match. Neither of the championships on the line. Which means that it's going to be Osprey pulling off the victory because that's what happens in these kind of matches. Well, he didn't last year against Okada, though. That's true. Yeah, Japan really does it differently. They kind of. The one thing I'll give New Japan Wrestling that I won't say about any American born wrestling promotion, they are not afraid to pull the swerve. No, not at all. Not at all. Which is why I was thinking that Jay White and, uh, against uh, Kenny Omega could have actually happened. Right. I mean, and, and the other thing is that we, you know, we had no idea that Jay White was going to join Bullet Club. You know, we thought we thought he was going to, you know, take over Chaos. And then actually, well, he's the he's the leader of Bullet Club. Well, and didn't we talked about that for months leading up to it about how a a heel chaos who was going to actually make the turn and pointing out the fact that this chaos member is acting a little more heelish than normal and so on. I mean, we went through that for months and then all of a sudden he just leaves chaos and joins bullet club. Yep. Crazy stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, I'll give it to NJPW. They are not, not afraid to pull the swerve. No. And, and, and I think, you know, we're, I think, I think we're all better for that actually. Yeah, honestly, that's kind of what drew you and I to it, as opposed to uh, what we were. I mean, I think we've talked about this in the past. I mean, when I first met you, I was WWE sold. That's all I ever watched. I didn't care about anybody else. I liked TNA for a while. But by the time I met you, I was only watching WWE. Um, You know, and you kind of introduced me to NJPW. And that mm-hmm. kind of op- and that opened the doors to even before we started this show and started branching out to all the other promotions that we watch, where I was checking out independent wrestling scene. You know, I was watching PWG. I was watching the Battle of Bola. I was watching. I mean, we did. You and I did this Ultimate Pay Per View a couple of years ago, and I pulled a match from GCW. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you know, because it was just it was an entertaining. It was one of those matches where it was like, man, if I had to pick a match, this would be on my ultimate pay-per-view. And I pulled it out of there. And, you know, it, and I still give you that credit because when I met you, I was WWE sold and true. I mean, I had even given up on, on Impact. It, TNA at that time, it was uh, the Hulk Hogan show, so I didn't care. You know, so I'll give you credit for opening my eyes to this shit. But there are so many promotions out there now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they really are. But I will say, NJPW does it probably better than any of them, where they are not afraid to pull that swerve. So I definitely could see Osprey winning this match. Um, yeah, I, I could too. I just, I just think you know that that Jay White's on such a roll right now that I don't know if they'd, if they'd really have him lose. But I mean, I think it would be, I think it's gonna be a great match, and I, and I think that you know if he does. If White does pull it off, it's not going to be without some shenanigans. 
and that's why I'm saying that uh, I think Osprey is going to win is because you're looking at Jay White going, he's on such a roll. There's no way he can lose this match. That's that's the time when they pull that swerve. But the other thing, you know, the other thing to consider is, do, are they really going to want to want him coming into um, going into G1 Supercard on a losing streak? You know, with, with a loss, I, I really don't see that. I really don't see that they'd want that to happen. Is he is he in G1 Supercard? Jay White. Yeah. He's going to be the main event of it. The, the winner. No, I, I was thinking. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I was going Japan Cup. Sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. But who? I still want to know who they're going to put him against. Well, in Madison Madison Square Garden, who are they going to put him against? Well, let's you, let's let's look at at the at the New Japan Cup and see what the choices are. It's not going to be Juice, so, you know. We know that, so let's skip that one. <laughs> Which is sad because Juice actually could be the kind of guy to pull it off, but and he's got that much momentum right now. But you're right with him and his whole Ring of Honor thing. I can't see that. Well, and he's also the U.S. champion too. So, all right. So night two is Mikey Nichols against Hikuleo. What the fuck? <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> uh, night match number two of night two is Okada versus Elgin. That should be a, that should be a really good match, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure Okada's gonna win that one though, which is probably gonna be a Fale victory to set up a never open weight championship match. Hopefully. Um, and then we've got Hanare versus Lance Archer. And that's the main fucking event. Are you fucking kidding me? Um. Can we backtrack to the fact that I just said I hope that Fale beats Osprey? Yeah, why did you do that? Because I just want to see Osprey get his ass pummeled in a main event and pull out the victory out of nowhere. Ah, okay. What is Archer versus... I don't even want to watch this New Japan Cup. <laughs> Maybe not the first round at least, huh? Well, let's see. What the fuck is this? This single elimination, right? It is, yeah. Thank God. All right, so Ooh, night night three is a good main event. Okay, let me get in there. Night three. You know, I just th- think I found my gaijin. I thought that w- I thought your gaijin was Jay White. No. All right, so Kota Ibushi taking on Tetsuya Naito. That should be awesome. Yeah. Um. Evil against Zack Sabre Jr., that should also be awesome. That's the main event from that night that I think it's going to be... I, I'm i putting my money on ZSJ right now to win the whole thing again. Why? How does Tanahashi get Umino in the first round? That, that's just fucking... Uh. There's too many not good wrestlers in this. And then Taguchi, and then Taguchi Jr. heavyweights in this thing against Tenzon. Is it Taguchi? Because they, the one I'm looking at has a to-be-determined. Yeah, the one. Well, I'm looking at it on JP, NJPW1972.com, and it's got Taguchi against Tenzo. Oh dear God! Look at night four. I'm well, sad. Hang, hang on, I got to get there, dude. You're you're going a different route than I am, obviously. All right, so eight, nine, ten. All right, so my four. All right, I'm so not got, watching the first round. 
Toriano versus Davey Boy Smith Jr. <laughs> other than Evil versus ESJ in night three, I'm not watching the, this. Oh, and Ibushi versus Naito. The only night I'm watching is night three. Kojima, no- Kojima versus Suzuki should be good. That's- yeah, I mean, only Goto, because... Goto versus Sonata. And I can't see that. I just know. <laughs> Cold Cabana! <laughs> versus Togi Makabe. I just, I'm not watching anything except the last two matches in night three. That's just it. There's nothing else on here I want to watch in the open. And I'm sorry, NJPW, I love you to death, but these matchups are horrid for the first round. Let's see. Uh, I, thought, I, thought, I must already, I guess I already looked at that one. Yeah, is that the entire first round, the four nights? Yeah. Wow. There's that's a lot of yuck, my friend. Outside of Evil and ZSJ and then Ibushi and Naito, is there any match on here you truly want to see? I mean, I'll watch Goto Sonata because I love Sonata. I'll watch Suzuki Kojima just because that has some ridiculous potential. There's nothing on night two I want to watch. And night one, and there's nothing there I want to watch either. Ishii Yagata is about it. Yeah, there's like you said, there's really not there's really not much there to sink your there's teeth into on, on the first two nights. Two matches that I actually want to go out of my way to watch, and then maybe another three that I'm like, okay, I got some kind of interest in this. Yeah, well, I mean, I, Juice versus Chase, you know, I think would be a great, you know, spot for Chase to continue his um, momentum that he had at Wrestle Kingdom, but I, I just don't know that's actually going to happen. No, I don't either. I really don't think so. Oh, wait, that, that wasn't even Chase, was it? That was actually uh, uh, Dave, uh, David Finley, right? So, so it's, it's Finley. Wait, what? David Finley was the one that had, that, that got the two, the that had the momentum coming up coming out of Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So is Finley even in this tournament? No. Did I miss him anywhere? No, he's not. I think that, he is. I think he is. That's weird. I to be honest, and I heard this somewhere, but I from what I understand is he is stateside permanently now. Oh, really? Yeah. From what it sounds like he is part of the new Japan uh, export to America, and he is not coming to uh, Japan anymore. He's with Ring. He's with Ring of Honor until they get it started, and then he's going to be part of the New Japan version, American version of New Japan. Oh, okay. Did you happen to notice, by the way, that that uh, on uh, Ring of Honor he was announced as being from Atlanta, Georgia? Yeah, that kind of that kind of that kind of struck me a bit. Considering he's from what Ireland? Oh, that's what I thought he was from. Yeah. It, considering his whole family has been from Ireland for four generations. Well, yeah, but I, just, I just, but I, mean, I, I do know that his dad works for WWE still, so I didn't know if maybe they had moved out, they had moved to Atlanta at some point. Why would they move to Atlanta if his dad works for WWE? Well, because they, he also lived in W, he also worked for WCW for a long time, and they were, and they were based in Atlanta, so maybe they just never moved. That's a good point. But you're right, I did notice that too. And it kind of took me aback a little bit. I can't believe Cole Cabana's in this tournament. Right? 
Look, I'll give Col- credit Col- where credit Col- is. Cabana, Col- Cabana versus Jay White, the main event of G1 Supercard. God, I want to see that. I think it's got to be Ibushi, right? I'm. It's either Ibushi or Naito. But Naito's an Intercontinental, Intercontinental Champion. I can't see that. I can't see them having the Intercontinental Champion wrestling for the World Championship in the main event. Or it's got to be ZSJ. It's going to be at um, Madison Square Gardens. Yeah, but yeah, but neither one of those are. Yeah, but ZSJ might be a Westerner, but he's not a. He's not an American. He's Guy Jim, but he's not American. But he's well enough known on American soil because of Ring of Honor that by that point he could actually be a decent competitor. But are we going to really have two heels against each other? Yeah, I, I think it's either got to be Okada or it's got to be Ibushi. I think Naito or Ibushi. I think whoever whoever wins that match. I can't see Naito because he's Intercontinental Champion. And I just, I mean, as much as I want to see Okada rise to that again, I think that is way too early to pull the rematch for White versus Okada. Across seas, for people that follow NJPW, unless they're banking on a lot of Japanese pay-per-view buys, that's not a good move. That should be a main event of Dominion. But don't you think that Naito was? Is, they're going to want to have Naito defend his Intercontinental Championship at the show? Maybe, but you got to remember this is a uh, joint pay per view, so you've also got all those belts from uh, Ring of Honor on there too. They could easily replace uh, the Naito match with a uh, Jay Lee or whoever's holding the world title at the time match of Ring of Honor. You mean the TV title? No, the Ring of Honor world title. Well, I'm sure the world, um, yeah, the Ring of Honor world title, I'm sure is going to be on the line there. It'll probably be the right. semi-main or something. So um, they could take the two mid-car titles out and nobody would miss them because you've got two tag titles. Oh, you've got, you, you've got to, no, no, no. You've got to have Jeff Cobb on the show if, 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 if it's your Ring of Honor. Well, yeah, if you're Ring of Honor, but he could be in a different match, you know, because you know it's an NJPW, so they're going to have their four and five-man tag matches, ten-man tag matches. That would be such so, a waste of Jeff Cobb, though. No, it would be. I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I mean, this, this is this is their, you know Ring of Honor's biggest show ever. They have got it, to have they've got to have Jeff Cobb, Jeff Cobb spotlighted in a major in a major match in that, on that show. I mean, let, let's look at it this way: if we're going to follow NJPW, because yeah, it's a joint production, but this is an NJPW show. If we follow NJPW rules, they have four tag matches that are like multi-man, like eight- and ten-man tag matches, followed by four real matches. I can't imagine them doing that for this show, though. I honestly can't. If, they, if, if we follow that logic, we're going to have the IWGP heavyweight belt. We're going to have the Ring of Honor heavyweight belt. We're going to have the uh, IWGP tag belts. And probably the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Belt. <clears throat> that those would be my four that I would pick out of the thirty-seven titles that are going to be defended. <laughs> well, first of all, we don't know how long the show is going to be. But but secondly, I just don't I just don't cannot see that um, they would book it, it book it that way. I mean, I think that. 
this is this has got to be you know their biggest their biggest high profile show for actually either promotion really in the United States, and I think they and I think they're going to have to stack it and not have those those uh, six normal, six man eight six man eight men and, and ten man tags. You don't think they're going to do their normal formula? No, I don't. They're going to run it more like a Wrestle Kingdom type card. I think so. Yeah. And if that's the case, then fucking all belts defended. Just every match, a, a title bout. I'm fine with that. Yeah, they probably should do it that way. In fact, that would draw a lot more interest. I would be willing to watch every match of that show. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I think that you got to have to have to have every single championship. Well, not not I mean, maybe not necessarily every single championship. Like like maybe not the never six man titles. Maybe you or don't no. have juice, maybe you don't have juice defend the U.S. title. But you know, well, but you know, maybe you take away the women's belt, the women's title. Well, see, there's nobody, there's, there, but there's nobody in New Japan that's, you know, there's no women's wrestlers in New Japan. So I think that you probably, I think that Ring of Honor would probably want to have at least one women's match on the show. Well, and, when you, I mean, I mean, and, I, and I'm sure this is all, you know, being negotiated out as well. Still, when you look at the fact that it was a Japanese wrestler that just won the Ring of Honor women's belt. Yeah, I, I still don't get that. I still don't get that title change. Maybe we have a rematch between Kelly Klein and her. Maybe we do. I, I know they announced the women's match for uh, the anniversary show, but I did, but I didn't see what that match was. Did I mean, you see she, what that, did you see what that was? No, I didn't. But she might bring in the Japanese audience for that women's match too. That could have been the only reason why she won that match to begin with. Because I just, it was a misstep having Kelly Klein winning the belt, but I was not looking at, or I losing the belt, I'm sorry, but I was not looking at future events. Now that makes perfect sense. Well, maybe you think it does. I, th- I still think it's rid- it was a ridiculous decision. Well, it was terrible. It was mind-numbingly terrible. But the fact that they have the G1 Supercard coming up that does kind of now make a little more sense. Well, and actually, and actually, I just, I just looked it up. The re, there is a, actually is a rematch between Klein and Iwatani at their ROH 15th or 17th anniversary show. Oh, okay. All right, all right, that makes sense. Yeah. And we, and, right, we can, so. we, and we can certainly preview that show next week. I mean, we're not going to do that tonight. So, um, why don't we go next to, week? Yeah, because it's the 15th, so we have time to preview it. Next okay, week. so we're looking at the first round of the New Japan Cup, and there's two matches to watch. <laughs> well, maybe we, can watch, maybe we can talk about some, some MLW, too, then. All on night three, two matches. Well, I'm, I'm talking about... So <laughs> what the fuck? Did, you can't tell me that the elite leaving four guys... Changed five guys, changed it that much. Well, no, I think I think part of it is that I don't think did they usually do a sixteen man tournament. Or is it usually like eight man. I can't remember. It's usually I mean, an eight man. Yeah, that's so, I, I mean, I think they did they did it bigger this year because the prize is so big. Well, they fleshed it out a little bit, but still, I mean, if you look at it, who would have been in there last year in this? You would have had uh, Omega, and you would have had Cody. Well, Cody wasn't. I don't think Cody was in it last year. He would have been this year, though. 
Ah, maybe. So maybe you take out a couple of these young lions that made it. Now all of a sudden you got decent matches. Yeah, I, I think it's ridiculous that Omina's take that that uh, not not necessarily that Omina's in the tournament, but that he but that Tanahashi draws him. That's fucking ridiculous. Well, and oh no, uh, Tenzan draws him. Oh no, no. you're right, you're, you're right. Tanahashi got him. Yeah. But not only him, but uh, Hanari too. I mean, isn't Hanari like broken down and shouldn't be wrestling anymore? No, that's Honma. That's one of them. <laughs> one of the ages. Wow, sorry. That just made me sound ridiculously bad. <laughs> it's, okay, so still, isn't Hanari... Uh, why can't I remember who this guy is? Hanari is the guy that wears like the Tarzan Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. He he teamed with. That's why I'm getting them confused because he teamed with Maccabe during uh, uh, World Tag League. Yeah, and he's seen and he's seen with Honma since. Yep. Okay. <laughs> that's that's why I'm getting them confused. Because all right, okay, good. All right, so let's go ahead and, t- and take our, uh, a quick what? commercial. No, right? let's not. Bye. No, I just wanted to mess with you. All right, so let's, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're, you're going to hear another Austin Aries promo, this one from actually Bound for Glory, where you can hear the actual rage in his voice that I think um, it does a great job of foreshadowing what happens at the end of the show, honestly. Now, please tell me before we go to break that you at least pulled up the Austin Aries promo from uh, after he met Moose, or the Moose Bound for Glory. Is it Bound for Glory? No. Summer, uh, Slammiversary. Because in all honesty, that promo against Moose might be one of my all-time favorite Austin Aries promos. No, I didn't because they, they, they have nothing to do with the show that we're watching, that we, that we watched. Wow. Yeah, I know. I was just hoping. All right, guys. So, guys, we'll be, like I said, a quick commercial break. And then when, we, when you come back, the first thing you're going to hear is A-Double again. I came back to Impact Wrestling in the beginning of 2018. This place was on life support. Let's just be honest. And I walked back in here and I won the Impact World Championship. And from that moment, day in and day out, I've busted my ass to rebuild the reputation of this company and to make this title worth something again. And I think I've done a pretty good job. And then my challenger, Johnny Impact, decides to just waltz back in here when his schedule permits and claim that this is now the most important thing in the world to him. Johnny, come lately, huh? Well, I've been here putting the work in. You've been off filming your reality shows, nursing your injuries, going off and getting married. But now, now that that reality show's airing, just so happens to be an opportune time to reinsert yourself and claim you want this. Well, I think you're a liar. I don't think this means anything more to you than any of your other quests. Boone the Bounty Hunter, right? 
Johnny, every name you can last think of. You know, you said something funny at this press conference. Maybe I'm skipping ahead. But you said, oh, it's not always about you, Austin Aries. Well, it's funny coming from a guy that everywhere he goes, he takes the last name of the place to make it about him. The things that have happened in the last week have changed the game, haven't they? What was supposed to be a one-on-one affair has turned into something more. It's turned real personal, hasn't it? And quite frankly, after what happened at that press conference last night, I don't trust you. And frankly, I don't trust management around here. So I may have said that I was going to leave my men in the back, but guess what? Things change, don't they? So I'm going to have my men ringside, and why don't you bring that wife of yours ringside, too? We'll make this a family fair. Let's have everybody get real up close and personal. Because when I expose you tonight, I want her to be there to see it. This ain't a reality show. This ain't some shitty B-movie. This is my life. This is what I've dedicated my life to. This ain't a joke. It ain't a game. So you're going to find that out. You know, the thing I like the most about that promo with Austin Aries is that was real life to him. He knew, I mean, looking back now, at what he knew and what he knew was going to happen and how it was going to go down. That was the best promo that Austin Aries has ever delivered based on the circumstances. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's everything about that show from Austin Aries perspective felt completely and totally authentic. You know, right. that, that, that promo did. was, and, and then the match, the match that he and, Johnny Impact ended up having it. It was hard to tell how much of it was shoot and how much of it was work. When you watched, and and I don't want to jump ahead, and and I'm sorry, I don't know if I stepped on anything you were going to say about that, but I felt it when I I heard that promo when I was watching it. Li- oh, not live, but when we watched it this week, and then the match I saw with him, this was a different Austin Aries. This was not the showman Austin Aries that we've come to know. This was a guy who was fighting for his life, but he was pissed off about the ending. He knew how he was going to go out. He knew how this was all going to end, and he was pissed off about it. And you could hear it in that promo we just heard, and you can see it in his match. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's what I mean. Like, like you know, I, I don't know that he was actually trying to hurt Hennigan, but he certainly was not pulling his punches whatsoever in that, no, in, that in that in that match and and, no, he... and 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 every and his his anger comes across perfectly. I mean, you know he, he and what he said in that promo where he said he you know he came the way he started off that promo saying he came back to Impact to to lift the company up and and he and he did that and he did that for months and then he's asked to turn it over to a guy that he is completely honest in his promos, doesn't know who he is, doesn't know what mm-hmm. he wants to do, yep. um, is, is not fit to carry a wrestling promotion because he's, yep. because he, he's not going to stick around long enough to do so. Um, and so far, Impact has stuck around, but I mean, for how long? And, and you know, well, it really is Austin's life, whereas 
Whereas for impact for John Hennigan, it's just another um, it's just it's just another thing for him to do. And, and there's nothing wrong with with wanting to try other things and, and experiment, you know, with things and get married and, and you know, do Survivor and, and all that other stuff he's done. But but when you, when a, a wrestling professional is asked to turn over the championship to that guy and turn over the promotion to that guy, we built it up from scratch the way that Austin Aries basically did, you know, you know, when when. TNA was basically sunk, and Impact has risen up largely because of Austin Aries' work as champion. Um, it, it really is a bitter pill to swallow. I mean, you look at where TNA was. When you when you take the Dixie Carter debacle into into perspective, and and they put all their money on AJ, but wouldn't pay AJ. Yeah, and not just wouldn't pay AJ, they legitimately would not pay AJ. They did not pay their wrestlers. Their wrestlers would come out and perform, and they wouldn't get paid. So then you got people like Eric Young, Bobby Roode, AJ Styles, who decided, you know what, this ain't worth it. I'm going elsewhere. At Austin Aries at the time. Uh, and then they get bought out by Impact. And... Impact comes in, and all of a sudden you got Austin Aries. When Impact took over, TNA was at their bottom. There was no going further down. They were an independent promotion who just got by with a TV deal off reputation alone. Because in 2009, 10, 11, 7, 8, they put on some amazing matches, amazing programs, and just put butts in seats because of people like Christopher Daniels, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, uh, Fortune, even at that time. And, I, and I'm going to say Fortune. I'm going to say the um, uh, main event mafia, even though that was the start of the Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff regime, I still think they put butts in seats. But once TNA hit their downfall, they went down. They went down fast. They got a reputation for not paying their wrestlers. They couldn't give out contracts anymore. Dixie Carter ran this company into the ground. And then not only that, but she screwed over people that were willing to put the work in, willing to put the time in and the money in, in Billy Corgan. Anthem buys well, them out. Well, 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 let's also talk about maybe the, the thing that really was the last death knell for, impact, for TNA, and that was what they did to the Hardys. You know, yeah. you know Matt Hardy comes up with this character – that gets the entire world talking about Hardy, Hardy's again, talking about Impact, talking about TNA. And then when the next contract comes up, do they get praised for that? Do they get a raise? Nope. nope. They, decide, they, they try to put it in their contract that TNA gets, I think it's 15%. No, of, it's more than of, that. Of any, well, some, some, it, was some like, it was like 35 to 40%. Okay, of, of oh. anything, any merchandise that they sell in any other promotion. Yep. It was completely ridiculous. And, and, they, and, they, and they, let, they, they let the hottest property they had walk away because of greed. And that was, that was all Dixie Carter. And now, don't get me wrong. Dixie Carter had some 
good intents. But she went about things the wrong way. When uh, Jerry Jarrett quit the business, quit the business and sold his portion of the business to the Carter family, and Jeff Jarrett was in charge with Dixie Carter, the fact that Dixie had 51% of the company and took that 51% and said, I'm the boss, is what ruined this company. When the Jarrett's were in charge, this was an up-and-coming company, a company that started from scratch in 2004. It, was it four or was it two? Uh, 2003, actually. Was it three? Okay. Started from scratch in 2003. Built themselves up with homegrown talent. Not cast-offs. Homegrown talent. Yes, they took some people that end up, that WWF, WWE at the time neglected. People like Christian. Uh, people like Jeff Hardy, who, yeah, he had a couple of title runs, but he was never really the man. You know, Kurt Angle, who got dismissed by... Uh, WWF and people when when people look at Kurt Angle they think WWF. In all reality, Kurt Angle spent ninety percent of eighty percent of his career in Impact Wrestling. Kurt Angle is more synonymous with Impact and TNA Wrestling than he is than he is with WWE. So when you think about all of the talent that Dixie Carter had and the Jarrett's had at their disposal, there is no reason why they should not have beaten the WWF or E, whatever you want to go by, in anything. Okay. No, I, I, and, and you know, just, just to emphasize that point, they made K-Quick into, one of the, into, into probably the most compelling character at that time in professional wrestling. And since, okay. WWE, and since WWE signed him back, he's been pretty much awful. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. Mean, I mean, I mean uh, Ron the Truth Killings was an amazing character. Our Truth has been absolutely horrible, you know, and and, and it's just it just has it just goes to show you that um, talent can rise if you give that talent a chance to rise. And the talent and it, it, I hate to say this, but it brings me back to our discussion earlier about NWA wrestling. One of the best things that Billy Corgan has ever said is that um, you let talented people be talented. And that's, you know, that's what Dixie Carter never did. She did not take the talent she had on the roster and propel it. Instead, she brought in Hulk Hogan. She brought in Eric Bischoff. And I'm not taking anything away from these guys. Eric Bischoff was the driving force behind WCW. Hulk Hogan was the driving force of wrestling for, what, a decade? They did what they did, and they were able to perform at the levels they did because they had the talent. But by the time they came into TNA in 2011... 2010, 2009. Was, when did that all happen? Was that 10 or 11? I think it was uh, 11. 
I think when, it was 11. When Bischoff came in? Yeah. I think it was 2010. Well, okay. Because, because I hadn't moved to my new house by that, at that point. Then I moved to my new house in 2011. Okay. So I think, I think it was 2010. But when they came in, they came in with this attitude about how nobody is better than us. And that was the wrong attitude to have. And that was not what they had when WCW first came about. I mean, you want to, the downfall of WCW is they didn't let new talent rise. Like Chuck Palumbo, Stan, uh, Stan Stasiak, and so many other talent were Steve not allowed. Steve fucking to... Austin, Chris goddamn Jericho. Right, but that was before the Eric Bischoff. No. Actually, no, Eric Bischoff oh, no, no. fired them, isn't Bischoff he? fired both of them, yeah. Jericho, Guerrero. Yeah. I just, I'll give Bischoff credit where credit is due because he was the guy who revolutionized wrestling and gave guaranteed contracts and, you know, made people exclusive to promotions and things like that. But at the same time, but he never, but he never made a star himself. Not other than, other than, other than Bill Goldberg. And Goldberg, he had, Goldberg is the one exception. Maybe and, Diamond Dallas Page you could give to him too. But no, and I'm not going to give him that because Diamond Dallas Page was U.S. champ before, uh, before Bischoff even took over. Bischoff broke him down and made him back up again. But I think that was a lot more circumstantial because of his real-time friendship with uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash because of their former relationship or whatever. I thought thought Bischoff's the one that talked DDP into getting in the business in the first place. Was he? I thought so because they were next-door neighbors. Well, yeah, I know that, but I thought they were next door neighbors after they got rich and famous. I could be wrong. I, yeah, I could be too. But anyway, we're going off on a tangent here. We've gotten way what a, off. Of, what a shock, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I mean. So, so, so let's get let's get back to, to Bound for Glory. So, what was? Let's start at the let's start at the bottom, work our way up, because there were some things that happened in this pay per view that. I'm going to be honest. We talked about Slammiversary, and you and I, the whole reason we watched Slammiversary got back into Impact and everything was because we had heard it was the greatest pay-per-view of all time. It wasn't. It was good. It was good, but not the greatest. No. I'm going to say right now, and I'm going to hate myself for doing it, there were a few missteps, but in all honesty, I thought this pay-per-view was better done than Slammiversary. Oh, I didn't. I did. I, I just did. I, there I, were, I, I, I thought the structure of this card was very weird. It was, but at the same time, there wasn't so much of an ECW-like brand on this. It was more of a, this is Impact brand on this. Where I got too much of the Slammiversary when I realized, especially after I realized Don Callis was behind it all. And even watching it before that, I thought it was too much of a knockoff of ECW. There was too much hardcore. There was too much disjointed storylines. It just, it didn't seem to mesh well. This one, from start to finish, kind of meshed with every storyline that was going on. 
make sense at all. It, it does, but at the same time, I mean, I, I don't think you can look at something like E.Y. Drake versus James Ellsworth or... Um, no, that was dog shit. Or like Edwards and Dreamer versus Moose and Killer Cross. Or even Callahan and OVE versus Cage and the Lucha Brothers and say that there was no ECW influence in this show. I can't say that. But I can say that it didn't go off the rails like an ECW show usually did. The thing that drew us to ECW was the fact that we knew we were going to see people get their asses kicked and beat to death with fucking chairs and barbed wire bats. That didn't happen in this. There were some things that went off the rails, but even OVE, I mean, you've got an OVE rules match. What, one table was used? You've got a concrete jungle death match. Did they even hit concrete? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. Uh, yeah. And, here, here, was my, here was my big problem with this show. And, and, and really... It had nothing to do with the wrestling itself. It was the way that it was structured. I mean, I really think okay, that... Okay, I will give you that. I will I, give you I, that 100%. I really think this show should have started with the Concrete Jungle Death Match. I agree. And I thought that too. I mean, and the, and the reason is simply because then you don't have the... Um, you, don't have, you don't have the two six-man matches back-to-back. Um, you, don't, you don't have it going from a Concrete Jungle Death Match... Right into right into what I, what I thought was an amazing segment, which was Ali rescuing Kieran Hogan from the undead realm. Um, I like I, I, I love okay. it. I absolutely loved it from start to finish. We're gonna get back to that because I have my, my thoughts on that. I loved it, but I hated it at the same time. Um, so we we'll get back to that. I mean, I mean, I do understand why they started the way they did, but I would, but I think I, if if they weren't gonna start with that six man tag, I think it should have been the second match on the show. Or, I, or, at, or at least been before the women's not before the knockouts match. I was with you on the fact that I think that should have let off the show. Mm-hmm. I thought there were so many things that happened in that. The return of a Conan at the end of the match, which is so uh, fucking WCW. Uh, right, exactly. That is so WCW. That is the ultimate. Oh my God, he got beat up, so he's going to come back. Type shit. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, and, and it's like, let's get this shit out of the way so we can move on to their actual stuff. Well, and, and not just that, but the big spots that they had. What happened? Did anyone get put through a table? Did anyone, uh, other than Hernandez bled because of that first initial uh, onslaught of Ortega with the trash can lids. But you had, you had the perfect introductions with the live music. And the introduction, the different, the different intro music that uh, LAX had. Right. You had a, a compelling storyline that had reached a peak the way before, or the week before. You had the doubt on whether Conan was coming out. You had this rivalry that was dead set on ending. There's two spots for a match like that. The beginning or the main event. That was not a main event match, so you're right. It had to be at the beginning. Had to be. And honestly, it really should have been something more like the Great War, um, yeah. where and and the Great War took place at Bound for Glory 2016. I want to say, you know, you know, and and the reason I say this is because it was supposed to be a concrete jungle death match. There was no concrete involved in this thing whatsoever. Mm. I mean, it, not, it was, 
I mean, it was. We saw it was, some wood. Yeah, we saw some wood. Exactly. We saw and a the, little bit of ring mats. Yeah, and the mats were. I guess the mats were over concrete. <laughs> there was no concrete actually used. Where, where Speaking it, where of it, where they, it, they actually done it with the Great War? Then they're all. Then they're fighting in the street. You know, there's concrete around and see things like that. When they were selling the concrete jungle, I thought this was going to be like uh, Piper versus Goldust back in what '96. Uh, yeah, me too. Fighting all over the fucking town. Me too. Not in the ring on wooden on wood, really. It just it when when the match started. I mean, yeah, the intro, the LAX intro. The it was a decent match for what it was, but it wasn't what it should have been. And what it should have been would have been out on the streets. They right. claim to both be from the streets. They're fighting for the streets. They settle their mat, their differences on a wooden ring in the middle of a stadium. Come on. It yeah. just, it, it didn't hold what it should have. Completely agree. That, that's, that's, that's the one thing where, you, where you know, I, I can't agree with you where the storylines all came together because it, they really didn't. No, and that's supposed to be the ending. You know, and right. granted, I'm not going to watch anymore. I, I just, I've got to get caught up. I'm so far behind on MLW. I'm so far behind on Impact. I've got to jump forward at this point. Right. So I'm going to jump forward, and I'm not going to see what comes out of this. But I have to assume that was the end of that feud. And that being the end of the feud was horrible. Horrible. Conan coming out at the end with a minute left in the match comes out and flapjacks everybody. And you want to know what would have been a better ending? Even if they never went to the streets, what would have been a great ending to that match would have been Conan coming out, flapjacking the shit out of everybody, beating King in the middle of their ring. Conan getting the pin. Not Ortiz, not Santana, Conan getting the pin. And then having Hernandez and Homicide come up and greet him and hug him and do whatever they had to do. That's how that should have ended. It should have ended with the clear cut Conan is the king of the streets, King is nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and you know, and, and I'll go back to the you know the first match on the show. I thought that I don't think that match ended the way it should have either. No, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean they build, they've been building up this this Matt Seidel versus Rich Juan feud. They've been building up Seidel and, and Page. You know, Page being his new apprentice, and and you know this it's it's hard to tell a story where the face is always winning. And so when the face wins the very first match in their, in their actual storyline, it, it, there's really no place for it to go. Right. I, I mean, I understand why I think they I understand why they did have, did do it that way. So that William Mack could cut a promo after, but you know, they still could have, they could have lost and then chased, chased off the, the heels and then cut that same promo where the one guy didn't know what, the, what fucking color hoodie he was wearing. They could have had a, you know, a, a third person run in. They've got plenty of talent backstage that's doing nothing. Like Eli Drake? Exactly. No, Cause, cause, no. Well, he was going to come up and talk. He was, he was very next up to talk anyway, so why not him? Why not James El- Ellsworth at that point? Oh, fuck you. 
Speaking of which, moving on. Fucking uh, turtle face <laughs> dipshit. Rich Swan, Willie Mack, Matt Seidel. Ethan Page was impressive, but the match itself was, yeah. Then we move on to Eli Drake doing his. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Eli Drake. Absolutely love him. But can he please stop doing a rock impersonation? Well, you know, I think he's actually very good at controlling the crowd, though. I mean, I, oh, I, he is. I, I, I do enjoy him with that because I, he, gets the, he gets the crowd to shut up the way the rock really never could. It, and that is true. And I'll give you that. But I just don't think that the rock impersonation is really. If anybody can pull it off, it's Eli Drake. I just wish he would form his own path and not follow the rock. Yeah, that's fair enough. You know, we talked we talked before about how there's different types of promo guys, and Drake is kind of cut from that cloth where he, he always uses the uh, the catchphrase, whereas Austin Aries is just flat out uh, natural every time he's out there. And uh, yeah, so basically, what happened here is Drake Drake was doing an open challenge. It was supposed to be somebody from New York to come out and challenge him, and instead, it was goddamn James Ellsworth. Um, so now Ellsworth this year has appeared at. Um, Money in the Bank for WWE. I don't remember if he was at WrestleMania or not, but then he was also at the NWA 70th show in October, um, and now he's at, and then he was at this show, Bound for Glory. So I mean, he was at three huge events for three different wrestling organizations. But really, he doesn't belong anywhere in any major promotion whatsoever. Hey, wait a minute. He lived in Carmella's basement for like two months. Yeah, he, 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 yeah, he lived with his head in Carmelo's ass for two months. The, the part that pissed me off about this, and it didn't piss me off until later, um, but you got Eli Drake calling out the best wrestler from New York. When you think of New York, you think of Yonkers. You, you think of, well, no, but <laughs> I'm getting to a point. Did, did, didn't they close down now? Shut up. You think of Yonkers and Teddy and her, fucking, and her burgers and and okay. Tommy Dreamer is where I'm going with this. You've got Tommy Dreamer on the card. Why not bring him out at that time? He still has a match to rest before he comes out and interferes. But you bring out James fucking Ellsworth, and yeah, Eli Drake beats him in like two minutes, and then he gets buried by the uh, Hall of Famer Abyss. Wasn't that just amazing? (sighs) You know how I am about burying up-and-comers for the... Well, and you are too. You've always been. You probably more than me. You never bury an up-and-comer for a Hall of Famer. Ever. And they did it here. With Eli Drake. Yeah, because Drake couldn't do anything to Abyss. I mean, Abyss came in, he starts pounding on him right away. Abyss just shrugs it all off and then drops Drake through the through the table. Um, yeah. And then it was just so dumb. That would have been like uh, Hogan only, coming the, in. And the, only, the only saving grace of it was that at least at least Drake, you know, did his. E lie Drake from the top rope, where where you know he at least had had a little bit of hesitation, which could have cost him 
going through the table. But I mean, that's that was really the only saving grace of the entire thing. And that's true. I agree with you. The equivalent of this, though, would have been Hogan running in on The Rock in 1998. Yeah. Because you have Eli Drake at this moment in time where he is a step. He is clearly at this point, especially with Austin Aries out of the company, he is a step vocally. He is a step in the ring above everybody else on that roster, just like The Rock was in 1998. And you can argue Austin all you want. Austin, to me, was great in the ring, great on the mic. He's on the Mount Rushmore of of wrestling. He never captivated an audience quite like The Rock did. And to me, Eli Drake has that potential. It's the cadence of the voice. It's the way he cuts his promos. Everything about him screams superstar. And for him to be the second on the card against James Ellsworth and Abyss was a disgrace. They had six months to lead, or they had three months to lead up this pay-per-view. They couldn't have given him something better. Would have been nice, wouldn't it? Right. Um, and especially, especially at his age. I mean, he's like, I think he's 36 years old. So, I mean, it's, it's like they really need to get him, you know, back to the championship form while he's still got enough years left in him to, to be a superstar. Instead, they have him in open challenge matches against anybody that comes out. And the only one credible that has come out yet has been Trevor Lee. Yeah, and now Trevor Lee is gone. Yeah, I mean, you got to keep in mind, we're talking about Bound for Glory back. We're not talking about after Bound for Glory. Maybe someone else has come out in the last couple of months. I don't know. But I just think, I, I think this is a talent that is being wasted beyond belief. Eli Drake is a step above everyone else on this roster. Except for Austin Aries. Yeah, but he's not on the roster anymore. As far After, as we know, yeah. Well, no, I mean, with his whole new promotion and all that shit, I'm pretty sure he's not on it. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so but, let's, 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 in the interest of time, let's move on. Ah, come on. We only have 15 minutes left. Let's stay where we are. <laughs> I thought Tessa Blanchard versus Taya Valkyrie was a very good match. Um, I, I, did, I, did, you know, I did not like the fact that, that um, Taya kicked out of the bus on DDT, but again, I'm okay with that if somebody uses some, you know, a move – Pulls out a new move to, to win the match, and a top rope pretty awesome for, for Tessa to come out with a victory on. And I and I thought this really was a, a great battle of two really good women. As much as I hate to say this, and it's only because of the way the the final match went with Austin Aries looking like he wanted to hurt Johnny Impact. Had that been a much better match, I'd be saying about this. But I think Tessa Blanchard, Taya Valkyrie. That was the match of the night. Yeah, I think so too. Bar none. I, I, 
every time, and I said this to you before uh, you actually started watching it, I'm like, Ty, Tessa Blanchard, every time she's in the ring, impresses me more. And when she's in there against somebody with the equivalent and the ability of Taya Valkyrie, that was a five-star match. And, and the only reason it's a five-star match, of course, because we're up to like eight stars now because of the whole Meltzer thing. I think, I, think, I, I think you mean it was a five-Nigel match. No, it's a five-Gargano match. <laughs> I just... This was a hard match to beat. It seriously was. There was not much in this that I did not like. No, I, I really enjoyed that match. I thought it was. I thought it was very well done. Um, I thought both both women look, came out looking credible. Um, both women came out looking like they could they could have left with with the women's championship. And I think that's um, that's really the, the you know the best you can hope for um, in a world in a world championship match is that. You know, they they both come out looking like winners, even though obviously they both can't win. Right. I agree. Now, I cannot say that about the about the the following match because I thought, I can't say that about the following four matches. I'm was, not gonna lie. Wait, no, wait. There was one in there that I could say it about. Yeah, the, but the following match was absolute piece of crap. Considering it broke up into two matches, yes. Well, yeah, I mean, the first match lasted, what, 20 seconds? 14. Okay, close Maybe enough. Maybe 15. You know, you know cross interferes. I'll give it 16. <laughs> I'm starting to annoy Shane. This is great. Well, you just smoked up and got yourself super high, so. I did not. Liar. I heard I heard you coughing after you smoked, dude. <coughs> I did not. Yeah, be, be on mute next time you do that. <laughs> I don't do that illegal substance for the other states that are not legal. Not only Wait. did the first match between Rusev and and, 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 and a disqualification, but when Cross interfered and put the like the the cross jacket choke on Edwards, but then. In the second fall, the second actual match, I guess, the tag team match, Eddie Edwards and fucking Tommy Dreamer beat Moose and Cross with Moose losing to a roll-up by, by uh, fucking Edwards. I mean, it was just way, way to destroy all the credibility of this stable that you, you've been building up for months. You know, and the worst part about it, and I'm not going to lie, the worst part about this match was when Tommy Dreamer spit whatever that drink was he had. It oh, my God. Up. Yuck. Yeah. It, it's like there were moments on Impact leading up to this where, Tom, where Sammy Callahan spit on his hands, licked his hands, whatever, and the crowd's like, that was gross. You're fucking gross, whatever. Eddie Edwards is the grossest man I've ever known or seen or anything. What the fuck would compel him to do that in a match? Dude, my wife was watching that match, that particular match with me, and she was like, what the fuck? Seriously, what I, I, I think I think I think the entire collective people that watched that, that had to be the reaction. Except for whoever was in attendance who went, you sick fuck, you sick fuck, 
you sick. Yeah. By the way, was, impact oh, that, that audience, disgusting. you don't need to be a part of every fucking match. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, anyway. when, well, I mean, when the barricades are only like a, like a three inches away from the ring, it's kind of difficult for them not to. What be. the fuck was it with that, too? Seriously. <laughs> I, yeah, mean, I, I mean, I mean, the, the wrestler, the wrestlers kept kept hitting that barricade like really hard, and the only reason for it was one spot in the uh, in the Impact for Aries match, one spot. Yeah, that's all yeah. it was for. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you might as well not even have barricades at that point. Like yeah. MLW, you didn't I was going to say, do it full MLW style. Yeah. Well, they've got. You haven't gotten that far yet, but they have barricades now. Well, that's too bad. I know. It was part of the greatness, having people sitting on laps, and that was fun. And then, of course, you know, after this match, Cross and Moose do the old WWE thing of getting their heat back by attacking the, the faces after they lose. Of course, because, yeah, that's what happens. God, dumb, stupid bullshit. To be honest, I really did like this match better than Slammiversary. <laughs> you, you like, wait, 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 wait! You like that one match better than Slammiversary? No, this whole card. Oh, the card. Okay. Bring yeah, so I still don't get that opinion, but whatever. Um, I really like the next match. I really like that six-man tag. I mean, coming into it, I was like, well, "Why the fuck?" Are, I mean, I, I've been watching the storyline, but I'm like, well, "Why the fuck would you do this? Why the fuck would you team Cage with the Lucha Bros?" But I mean, this match really was excellent. Um, I, I, I mean, it was, it was a spot fest through and through. I mean, it, it was certainly a, a match where you could watch and, and say, oh, they're, they're setting up another set piece here. They're setting up a set piece here. But, I mean, you didn't care because it was so spectacular. Um, I mean, you could definitely tell they were moving from spot to spot to spot to spot. But, like I said, it was still so spectacular you didn't really care. And then the way that the ending came down and made Cage such a monster – um, while while uh, still losing at the same time was amazing. I just absolutely thought this match was was fantastic, and um, and you know Callahan getting the victory over Cage um, probably sets up an exhibition title for him down the line, which is which is pretty awesome. I mean, I really love Callahan's character. He's excellent in the ring, so for him to get a match against Brian Cage, I think is is uh, is good stuff. I loved every single part of this match. I love the fact that everybody looked strong. Everyone did. Yep. Jake Crist was amazing in the spots he performed. Sammy Callahan, at this point, you hadn't even gotten to this part yet. And I, I told you, I remember telling you it was a break room or something. I remember telling you that this was the moment where you look at Sammy Callahan and you go, holy shit, that dude can wrestle. He has an ability inside the ring. And there's, there's things I found out about both these guys that I didn't know before. But Sammy Callahan has this ability in the ring to actually wrestle. He's not just the spot fest guy. He's not just the guy who's going to hit a guy with a barbed wire baseball bat or whatever. He has an ability to, to not only perform technical moves, but
but sell them the same. And he did every bit of that in this match. And the guy that was matching him, mood for mood. Now, you would look at the other side. You would say, oh, Phoenix, Pentagon. No, Jake Christ. Jake Christ in this match, to me, was amazing. And could have come off as the best part of this match had it not been for Sammy Callahan. Yeah. The draw and the mini draw. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I you're right. I mean I mean Jake it seemed like Jake was everywhere in this one. It really did. I mean he he was he was everywhere for his team. You know, he he could even be considered the MVP of that match for his team really. Well not only that, he was flawless. Yeah. Absolutely flawless in every move. With the exception of that one, I don't know what they were trying to do, cut her off the top rope with a guy in a electric chair. It just well, still. right, well, right, but I mean that—that's another—that was a spot where the crowd chanting "You fucked up," and I thought, no, they, I mean, yeah, they might have fucked up, but you shouldn't be chanting it because really, because really, a you don't know like what's going to happen. Right, it, it adds to the drama when they miss a move like that. It, it really does. I mean, because 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 you know, real life isn't perfect. So, really, so then, what move did they miss? Seriously, what move did they miss? Have you ever seen anything like that before in your life? I have not. So how do you know that wasn't the way the move's supposed to work? <laughs> I, I'm yeah, not yeah, trying. So, to, I'm not trying to be devil's advocate. I'm not trying to like say Jake Chris is the greatest. But seriously, how well, can why, you? Why, you I don't fucked think, up when you don't know how the move was supposed to work. Well, because I don't think that Phoenix and Jay Chris are supposed to land cracking heads. Probably not. You know, eh, who knows? Probably not. I'd lean more towards not. But the reality is no one knows how that move was supposed to end except for Phoenix and Jay Chris. Yeah, that's true. So for the crowd to chant, you fucked up. How do we know? Maybe that's the way it was supposed to go. Well, I was going more with with with, with your and I, my and your theory, where um, sometimes a fuck up can actually make a match better. Yeah, and I appreciate Cause, that because 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 it makes because it makes it more realistic. You know, you and I have gotten that argument before about how a five star match can have a few fuck ups and blah blah blah. But at the same point, I think I was more upset with the fact that the crowd was chanting "You fucked up." than anything else because it was just it was a spot it was something nobody has ever seen that before and they pulled it off and to me when I was watching it on TV I looked at that and went holy fuck what did I just see and the crowd's chanting you fucked up it's like wait a minute no that was that was cool. That was amazing. Look at all the people that are laying there. Does right. it make any sense at all? No, it does. De- definitely it does. Even though, even though you're high as fuck. So. No, shut up. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Hey, medical. Uh, it's medical. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean that you're not fucked up on it. Sure it does. Okay. Um, so, so we we got a couple more matches to cover, and we're we're pretty much you know at our usual stopping point. But um, yeah, it's eight thirty, dude. I thought you sent the shit to nine. Well, I do, but we try to get done with it in two hours. You know. Oh, my bad. That's okay. So, Let's so, blame. So, Who should so, we blame? Should we blame Ryan? 
whoever that is, sure. Ryan Evans. He is a faithful listener. Oh, oh, that Ryan. Okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway, you said you had some stuff to say about the Owie Al- Hogan thing. <laughs> it's a weird point for me because I really liked it. But at the same point, it borderlined on entertainment to a point where I almost didn't like it. I, the fact that it went underground and off stage and all that crap, I, I don't know. I just I got to a point with it where I was like, okay, I'm I'm done with this. What? It, why did they keep doing this? Why does it keep going? And yet it kept going. And then Rosemary at the end with her little rescue attempt and Allie becoming what the fuck happened? Seriously. Do you have any clue, Shane? What do you mean what do you mean what the fuck happened? What happened? She got Care Hogan out and then she was like all evil and stuff. Well, I think her I think her soul got left got left behind. Remember she her soul had to be had to stay there? So since her soul had to stay there, she did, she was now evil. So now because she, 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 she didn't have a soul anymore. This I, 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 I actually, I actually thought that was pretty easy to follow. Well, now, yeah, but it screams WWE the whole thing. But it doesn't. Yeah, it does. I thought it actually screamed more um, the uh, more like you know what what with the Hardy the Hardy compound stuff. You know, I, th- I thought it was a nice. Um, you think homo- so? Homage to that, yeah, I did. I mean, the whole concept to me would have been great like five years ago. I would have looked at that and said, "Oh, this is fucking amazing! Look at this horror show." But here we are committing a murder on pay-per-view television, and then after the murder. We fight for a little bit, then we commit another murder. And then we get our friends out of wherever they're at, and then our ex-best friend that used to be there now shows up out of nowhere to get us out of this spiritual, magic, uh, Doctor Strange type thing. I don't know, dude. It just... It seemed like too much at this time. Oh, okay. If you say so, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it, but I can, I can see where you're coming from. I just I just think that uh, I thought it was really well put together, honestly. I thought it was, but not for a wrestling event. For a comic con, fine. <laughs> <laughs> for maybe a TV, for maybe an offshoot episode of of Impact, fine. But not for a pay per view. I wanted to see Ali versus uh, Sue Young. I wanted to see them in the ring. I didn't want to see them fighting in some fucking bathroom in some other dimension where she stabs her and commits murder. It, it just... God! <laughs> it just ate at, ate at me the whole time. I think, I, think you're, I think you're asking for way too much from a wrestling show. <laughs> to, focus on, to focus on wrestling. Fair enough. <laughs> Right. I'm just saying this is the kind of, that's the kind of thing. And I love Don Callahan. 
I love the fact Don that Callis, he goes. Don Callis, yeah, sorry. Uh, the fact that he goes all out for ECW and so on. There were a couple things that he said throughout this whole thing that pissed me off. First of all, that Alley versus Sue Young, whatever that was. And there were a couple times during the uh, LAX versus um, OGs match where he jumped up and said, oh, my God, that's the most dangerous thing I've ever said. Really? Really? That's the most dangerous thing you've ever seen. You watched a guy jump off the fucking rafters into a table filled with thumbtacks that was on fire, and that's the most dangerous thing you've ever seen? Well, dude, he's got to sell his own show. Well, I get that, but come on. Don't oversell it. There's there's enough marks out there that know who you are, where you came from, and that you should not be selling that. <sighs> you think you're picking the wrong stuff, dude. <clears throat> that might be high. You might be high. It's a possibility. Hey, it's medical. I have a card. That doesn't mean you're not high on it, dude. I think you're. I think you're. I think you're conflating two different things. Nope. I understand fully. Uh huh. That'd be a, that'd be a first. What the hell? <laughs> um. Okay, so let's move on to the main event. And and you know earlier I you know I said I, I said it was completely understandable um, how Austin Aries was feeling. I just I just want to make it clear that 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 doesn't mean that in any way I'm condoning what he did. I um, agree. I, I, I will I, agree with that right now. I, 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 can to, I can totally I can totally understand his emotions, but I I I still think he handled it completely the wrong way. He should you know I mean he should not have been you know so stiff with impact. Um, you know, assuming that, you know, that's what it was, because it really seemed like that was that that's what they were doing to me is that it was just way too much um, actual, I guess, brawling rather than an actual wrestling match. Um, You know, because the the object of pro wrestling, of course, is to not injure your opponent. And it seemed like that's what he was he was out there doing was actually injuring um, impact. Although, you know, we don't know for sure. I don't know that he actually got injured, but it sure seems like he was he was actually, you know, throwing real punches at him. Um, and I think that was the wrong way to go about it. But this, you know, I, so I can understand his frustration, but I do not condone what he did. And I don't condone what he did after the, after the match either, just kind of getting up and walking, walking away. Like um, he never, he didn't get hit with impacts. Um, I guess, biggest move. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know where you stand on all that stuff, Jeff. I'm right there with you. I I mean, I, you can kind of see in the promo, in the match, in the way he sold the match, that Austin Aries was looking for another contract with Impact. And Don Callis wasn't willing to give it to him. He was like, okay, we don't need you. We got Johnny Impact. Um, so I, I can kind of see where Austin's coming from. But at the same time... Austin Aries needs to be that professional, the guy that does business on the way out. Mm-hmm. The Cody Rhodes, for example. The way Cody Rhodes laid down for uh, and, and sold every fucking move Jay Lethal did on his way out. The way that Cody Rhodes 
sold every move that Juice Robinson did on his way out. That's the kind of professional you need to be. Not what Austin Aries did. What Austin Aries did makes the promotion, makes the wrestler, makes Johnny Impact, makes the whole company look worse than it was going into this match. Absolutely. It's, I love Austin Aries. Don't get me wrong. He is one of my all-time favorites. There is nobody better on the mic than he is, period. In today's wrestling, I can't think of anybody on the mic that's better than he is. He is in the move ring set the way he was in 205, WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact, TNA. Everything he has done is great. And I am willing to say greatest man alive, double A. But the fact that he... A-double. A-double, sorry. The fact that he acted the way he did during this match takes me to a whole nother level. And I remember when you and I first heard about this match and the way he no-sold the finisher and, and... flipped off to everybody on the way out of the ring. It was like, okay, that's a moment. That's fine. But to actually sit down and watch this match, watch the way he acted, watch the way he did his promo leading up to it, everything about it was like, dude, seriously? Well, see, that's the thing is that that promo was awesome, and he really, what he really, he really should have stopped there. You know, he should have got all those emotions out on that promo and then come in and been, and been professional in that wrestling match. Um, I am, you know, Austin Aries is still one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, but I think this was um, a shameful moment for him. And, you know, I, I hope that he looks back on it and is remorseful about it and you know, realizes he, he really did the wrong thing. I mean, I know he's, I know he's, you know, he's an asshole backstage. I know that he's a hard guy to work with, but I think, you know, he really handled himself in a terrible way in this situation. And and I can't imagine that unless he, you know, shows remorse, unless he backtracks from what he did, that he's ever going to get another contract with a major promotion. I can't even see him doing that, to be honest, with the way he acted on the way out. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you backtrack, let's say a year, WrestleMania last year, the way he left WWE, the way he left, losing to Neville, and so on. Was that last year or was that two years ago? I think it was I two can't years ago. I think it was 17. Yeah, 17. I, but if you look at the way he left then versus the way he left Impact during this match, it's like two different people. It's not even the same guy. He left WWE with the door open that, hey, I'd come back someday. He left TNA with, like, the fuck you, I'm the best thing you've ever had, leave me alone, I'm never coming back here again. Yeah. And that's what upset me. The match itself, I'm considering what Johnny Impact went through and the whole story leading up, and you know I'm big on stories, but the personal things, the fact that none of it was on script, the fact that this was legitimately Austin Aries attacking 
Taya and Johnny and John Hannigan. Mm-hmm. The fact that Johnny Impact was able to maintain character and put on the match he did when Austin Aries went to that level and performed that way. I got to say kudos to Johnny Impact. I do. Us as wrestling fans could see on the broadcast how Austin Aries was selling this, how he was doing this, how he was acting, how he was overdoing moves and underselling moves and going way above and beyond on his strikes and things that he did. I love Austin Aries as a performer, but I cannot condone what he did in this match or this pay-per-view or anything leading up to it. I absolutely agree with that. I, I mean, I, 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 I kind of came into it wanting, you know, wanting to, uh, to see Austin, you know, see what actually happened so I can form my own opinion, but, but I left it going, you know, shame on you, Aries. Cause, cause it really was a disgraceful way to, to go out. I mean, I, I mean, if he, if, if, if all he had done was get up, and kind of flick, flick off, um, you know, management. Don Callis. Yeah, Callis. I, I could understand that, but I mean, not when you, not when you do that that kind of a match. I mean, we hadn't seen anything like that since Austin, since uh, you know, Hart versus Michaels in '97. Yeah, when Michaels no sold everything. Yeah. And made it personal in one match. It, you know, a lot of people look at that moment, and the Survivor Series '97, and they go. Oh, well, Brett wasn't, you know, he didn't want to leave with the belt, whatever, blah, fucking blah. Brett wanted to win the belt. It was in the cards to win the belt, lose the next night to Undertaker, and leave. Sean, during that match, no-sold 90% of it. And then took the win without even thinking twice, grabbed the belt, Faked like he didn't know what was going on and ran off. Mm -hmm. That's the same feeling I got when I watched this match with Austin Aries. I love Austin Aries. I, I can't say that enough. And I've said it multiple times tonight. He is one of my favorite performers. Probably the best talker on the mic that we've had in the last five years. But the performance he gave reminded me of Shawn Michaels. And the worst part about that is I never liked Shawn Michaels again after 97 Survivor Series. Not once. Didn't matter what he did. Didn't matter what he performed. Couldn't care less. His match against Undertaker? Bah. I hated it because it was Shawn Michaels and because of what he tainted me and made me believe. Because of that one match in 1997. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the best we can say about Aries is at least he did business, you know, leaving, even if he didn't do it, you know, completely the right way. So. Yeah, I, and that's one difference. It, is he didn't spit on the he didn't spit on Don Callis and fuck it and tell him the flight, you know, whatever, and signed whatever promotion he was going to. Yeah, he just he just walked out of there. Um, but it. 
it was still the fact that it happened the way it did that I yeah. I can't I love Austin Aries and I will watch his new promotion at the same time I have a hard time with it yeah that's that's fair enough and I and I agree um want to hit our social media stuff so we can get out of here do I have to no oh well I will anyway <laughs> Follow us at Rigi Co-op, at Sandman, L-O-P, um, hashtag King of Honor. We do our thing. We look it up. We occasionally reply when we're not ridiculously busy like I've been the last two and a half to three weeks. Also, Facebook. Just search Kingdom of Honor on Facebook. You'll see a skull. You'll see a halo uh, called a crown. In front of a, a ring, like it, subscribe, leave us a message. We like that. We respond. Shane doesn't. <laughs> I do. I do. I do occasionally. Liar! 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 Anyway, um, make sure make sure you stay tuned to all the other great shows here on Lords of Pain Radio, whether it's One Nation Radio and, and the Global Revolution, Revolution tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday, we have Sports Entertainment is Dead. Thursday is the Perfect Ten Wrestling Podcast. Friday is the Right Side of the Pond. Saturday is All About All Elite. And Sunday, I... I listen to that, All About All Elite. Those guys know what they're talking about. Listen to them. Yeah, it's really good. And and then on Sunday, I believe there will be an aftershock about... Whatever the fuck the WWE pay per view is coming up this weekend, Fastlane, I think it is. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, and we'll be back. We'll be back next week. Wait, to talk. Who's, who's doing a pay per view? Wait, what? What are we missing? I'm saying there's an aftershock about WWE's next pay per view, Fastlane, which I think is on Sunday. Damn uh, pay per view. Yeah. That's uh, so loving. Oh my god! Shut up. <laughs> no, uh, I don't want to. We still we'll be, have 13 minutes. We'll be back next week to talk about... I NJP. want to talk for 13 minutes. Oh, my God. Get off the highness. Um, that's up. all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. And until next time, this is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights, and Jeff saying... Goodbye. <laughs>